Hi, this is your host, Patrick Garner. As I noted in my last episode, I'm immersed in writing my fourth book about the Olympic gods in the modern world. That slowed down my podcast production. Instead of every two weeks, you can expect a new episode about once a month. But the great news is that the episodes will keep coming. Now, this episode, instead of traveling back to ancient Greece, we find ourselves on the outskirts of Philadelphia in present-day America. Here we encounter a wealthy Wall Street trader named Jack and his so-called daughter, Chloe. I say so-called because all is not as it seems. He has admirably raised her by himself since they were both abandoned by her mother 19 years before. When Chloe is ready for college, her interest is not in finance as he had hoped, but in Greek mythology. It's become an obsession that suddenly transforms her from a millennial in sweatpants into a femme fatale. Neither she nor Jack understand her sudden transition, but are consumed by it. When she becomes pregnant, she says she wants to move farther into the Pennsylvania countryside. Jack agrees and buys a large estate. Within days of their arrival, strange, seemingly primitive events begin to occur in a back meadow of the house. Events like the appearance of an ancient goddess, the death of a massive three-headed dog that the goddess kills with her bow, and somewhat sweetly, the arrival of a troop of young girls in chitons singing archaic Greek songs. This is episode 40 of Garner's Greek Mythology. We have listeners from 157 countries, so welcome to everyone, wherever you are. I'm your host, mythologist Patrick Garner. Some of these stories about the gods have been told for thousands of years, but now there are new stories that are as compelling. This is one of them. If you haven't already done so, check out my books about the gods in the contemporary world. They're part of the Winnowing Trilogy. You can read about them and about this podcast at patrickgarnerbooks.com. And as always, this podcast focuses on one thing. Greek gods, of course. They, like you, are here now. Let's return to Jack's estate. An attractive, apparently penniless young woman named Lane appears at the door claiming to be Jack's daughter. Except for her red hair, she looks like Chloe's twin. Chloe becomes ecstatic and the two girls immediately bond. At Chloe's urging, Jack invites Lane to stay with them. Lane presents herself as unschooled but highly intelligent. Almost immediately, Lane begins to toy with Jack's sense of reality. He acknowledges that She's often a step ahead of him. Jack and Lane develop a witty, flirtatious relationship that Chloe surprisingly encourages. Within a week of Lane's arrival, Chloe goes into labor. At almost the same moment, Jack spots a radiant young woman standing in the back meadow. Her eyes are severe. Dressed in a tunic, she holds a bow and arrows, then 
disappears. Lane shrugs and seems unsurprised. Shaking off his shock at seeing the woman, Jack rushes Chloe to the hospital. In a short time, she effortlessly delivers a girl she names Isa. The hospital administrator says that the birth is the easiest the hospital has ever seen. Yet baby Isa is angry-fisted and far more alert than a normal child. Jack can't shake off the feeling that his black-eyed child is watching and judging all of those around her. While still at the hospital, hours-old Isa kills a nurse. To the staff, the death appears accidental. But Jack suspects otherwise, and Chloe seems utterly undisturbed by the event. As strange, Chloe is suddenly cold toward Jack, rejecting his attention and restricting his contact with the baby. While Chloe recovers at the hospital, Jack waits at home where he hears a solemn tune from somewhere outside. It's all become too much. He confronts Lane about the woman in the meadow, the strange events, and the new music. She says the tune is from the Eleusinian Initiations, something he's never heard of. Then, to his amazement, she identifies the woman in the meadow as the goddess Artemis, explaining that the goddess has come to protect Chloe, Isa, and her. She proceeds to tell Jack that three millennia ago, a small group of boys and girls were born in Greece with special powers. In time, they became the Greek gods. Artemis was one of these children, as were Chloe, Lane, and Isa. Lane discloses that they're the three fates of the ancient world, sisters that dictate the lifespan of all beings. She goes on to say that at the time, they were called Clotho, Lachesis, and to his disbelief, Isa. Lane explains that the three fates withdrew from the world almost 2,000 years ago, but they hardly abandoned their duties. Before they withdrew, they created a mechanism to assure the continuance of the life-death cycle. She continues saying that they've reappeared only now because scientists are on the verge of discovering the key to immortality. We had to be born like mortals, she said. That's why you were chosen. Lane notes that the male gods have not returned, having spiraled into what she calls an unrecoverable darkness. She declares that neither she nor Chloe are really his daughters. She reiterates that they are the fates. Jack goes into a state of shock. Following Isa's birth, even more unsettling events begin. First, upon Chloe's return home, she declares that she now knows who she is and that she accepts her original identity. She also abandons Jack. Lane is delighted, and her relationship with Jack becomes physical. 
Regardless, she draws a line he cannot cross. She must remain a virgin. As a consequence, their liaison becomes one of fiery compromise. Over the succeeding months, fantastical scenes play out in the meadow and woodlands. Artemis reappears, accompanied by nymphs. A large hound with two heads appears. One head looks into the future and one into the past. It, like Isa, seems to always be watching. Sacrifices to Artemis occur, and Isa grows at an extraordinary rate, far faster than a human child. Meanwhile, while wandering in his backwoods, Jack meets several of the nymphs. The contact becomes more frequent, and to his amusement, he learns that two of them go to Vassar and are taking a semester off to aid Lane. During the same period, Jack discovers that Lane, rather than being uneducated, is a prodigy who, at 22, holds a master's and a PhD in genetics and has published numerous scientific papers. When he confronts her about her grand deception, she lays out what she calls her multi-year plan. The plan is to extirpate or kill the world's leading DNA experts who she calls the best minds of her generation. When she says she's precipitated her own birth as well as Chloe and Isis to allow the fates to re-enter the world, Jack finally grasps the boldness and enormity of her scheme. Disturbing incidents continue to occur in the backwoods. For instance, one afternoon, Artemis bathes in a sacred pool with her nymphs. A neighbor is caught spying on them. Instantly, Artemis turns him into a stag, and the group savagely kills it with arrows. In another incident, two hunters appear in a staged setting and inadvertently shoot each other. It's all Artemis is doing, or possibly Lane's. Regardless, against his will, Jack becomes the witness to three violent deaths. And then in the midst of this chaos, Lane manipulates Jack's DNA to prolong his life so she can enjoy his company longer. The subtle change, though, increases both his intelligence and prowess more than anyone, including Lane, realizes. Artemis and Lane test his new powers and his loyalty to them. Like the labors of Heracles, the challenges become more and more difficult. Jack is tested in dreams, and once, in a bizarre ancient amphitheater that Artemis materializes in the woods. Eventually, after many challenges, Jack becomes a key figure in an extraordinary trial. The trial is a final test to verify that he grasps what he's become. During the trial, the goddess Aphrodite appears and confesses she caused Chloe and Lane's obsession with sensuality. She states she did so because she disagrees with the ancient injunction that they remain virgins. She argues that to judge human lives, the two sisters must know physical love. 
But Jack prevails at the trial, proving to be more powerful than any of the divinities suspected. To celebrate his success, Lane proposes a dinner party. She declares it will be like those held in ancient Greece, where long into the night the intelligentsia debated philosophy and culture. Aphrodite chooses virginity as the topic, and the party devolves into acrimony and argument. Aphrodite declares that she's in favor of free love, and Lane counters that virginity should prevail. During the party, Jack sides with Aphrodite, and Lane is so enraged that she and Jack never reconcile. Then worse for Lane, at the party, Jack encounters a striking demigoddess named Dany, whose father was Poseidon. Once again, Jack is smitten, and he and Dany begin to see each other. Oblivious to what's taking place between the two, Lane solidifies her other plans, flying to Singapore, where an attempt to kill several scientists goes away. She returns, forced to alter her tactics. Instead of explosives, which she used in Singapore, she switches to an ancient Greek toxin. In a pilot test of the toxin, she kills a colleague, a a Nobel nominee who teaches at MIT. She considers the killing a triumph and decides to use the same technique on the remaining geneticists scattered throughout the world. As she obsesses over strategy, she becomes more distant, dark, and foul-tempered, driving Jack from her life. Jack, watching all of this unfold, admits to himself that he's increasingly uncomfortable with Lane's decisions and the rising death toll. Dany has similar doubts about Lane's sanity. She and Jack collaborate, hoping to stop Lane. Over weeks, as his relationship with Lane totally collapses, Jack and Dany become far closer. She divulges that they're destined to couple, as she calls it, to help repopulate the missing males in the divine tribe. Plotting against Lane, they meet one afternoon at Artemis's woodland sanctuary, where Jack encounters other Olympic goddesses. All have gathered to discuss how to stop Lane's machinations. The timing is good, as a day later, a deadly accident occurs. The baby Isa, allowed by Chloe to play it well, releases the toxin. The three sisters are exposed and die within hours. Until their loss, Jack has assumed Lane had directed most of the events, not suspecting the role he was to play. With the loss of the fates, Artemis now takes a more direct role stating that for millennia, he and Dany have been destined to join. She states that the time has come. Jack and Dany formally unite in a grand ceremony attended by all the nymphs and goddesses. In a contrasting event a day later, the fates, the three dead sisters, are cremated in a massive pyre. During the service, 
Hundreds of hawks hover high above the fire, a dazzling and final salute to the fates. As the story ends, five years after the sisters' deaths, Danny has had three sons, and Jack comes to terms with his life. The world is one where divinities continue to flourish. Goddesses consort with young nymphs. They practice ancient sacrifice and hunt spirit deer. Bizarre creatures from so-called mythology appear at will. Debates about morality, immortality, life, death, and ethics take place among the goddesses. And as always, infatuation, hubris, and sensuality trip them up as if they were mortals. In this episode, I've been describing my first novel, The Winnowing. It's a fitting subject for the podcast because it lifts the ancient gods from the past and places them into the present. As I always say, the gods are here now. The winnowing begins in lust and culminates in conflagration and concludes with a transcendent rebirth. It and its two sister books, Cycladic Girls and Homo Divinitus, are available on Amazon. They're all compelling reads. As always, join me for the next episode of Garner's Greek Mythology. If you like what you hear and you're listening from either iTunes or Spotify, leave me four or five stars. Your opinion matters. Also, be sure to visit patrickgarnerbooks.com. It's all about your favorite Greek gods, the discussion of this podcast, and about my three novels. If you would prefer to listen, after all, you are listening to a podcast, you can get my Audible book, Homo Divinitus, at Amazon or Audible. And thanks for listening. This is your host, Patrick Garner.